0: Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Well, the Holy Ghost has already set us up for power and direction this morning, and he is um, good. Can I have an amen? He is good. Amen. Glad to see so many people here today. We're in a season of breakthrough. Can I have an amen? amen. We're a season where God's doing something. And so, how many are desperate for the Holy Spirit, amen. the presence of God? Well, just as a way of a testimony, um, I did shovel snow this week, and I slipped a disc out and couldn't walk, and I have exercises that I do to push it back in, the bulging disc, and push was doing that and was getting some relief for 15 to 20 minutes, sitting and standing were killing me, laying down was about the only way I could do it, and so Kept doing my exercises Friday, Saturday, and then this morning, and kind of had a backup plan that if I didn't make it this morning, we were going to do something different. But there was something inside of me that kept wanting to contend for who he says he is. And uh, so, got out of the shower this morning and couldn't hardly walk, and I called Monty and several other people to be praying for me, and Monty came over and We began to worship the Lord, and and, uh, I I could barely let him in the door because I couldn't hardly walk. So you can see I'm walking. Praise the Lord. And so the Lord gave us a breakthrough, and I believe it's even part of the message this morning. So Father, I thank you for your presence. This morning I'm a little emotional, and I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you that though I'm not at 100%, I am getting to 100% in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for a breakthrough this morning in my back. I thank you for breakthrough in this church. I thank you for breakthrough. And I'm just saying prophetically, this is your breakthrough too, yeah. in Jesus' name. Just as Shelly was sharing this morning, as we went through this thing of repenting for sin and pride. And for whatever goes on in your life, uh, God is highlighting things to all of us right now. He's highlighting things that he's wanting to deal with. It was interesting this morning because I have been working uh, faithfully short term on losing weight and doing it. And Karen got up this morning. She says, you know, Eric, it's amazing. Every time you get faithful to lose weight, it seems like the enemy attacks your back. And that was my clue this morning that I had to salt the enemy. Yes, it's a physical issue Yes, I, I, I fractured a vertebrae in my back years ago. Yes, there is no doubt that there was damage there. But I still believe in the God who heals and delivers. And I will contend and I will not quit. And so whether I had told Monty, whether I got to crawl up that freaking stage or whatever, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to declare the word of the Lord and we're going to push back the kingdom of darkness and we're going to continue and we're going to continue to contend for who he is and who he says he is and what he is so good about doing. And that is setting the captives free. And all of us are being set free. And we're all in the process of being set free. And I don't know what the Holy Ghost did to you this morning and what he highlighted to you, but don't tolerate it. Yeah, that's right. Do not tolerate what he's dealing with you on. Amen. We are in a serious hour, oh sleeper, wake up from your slumber. Yeah, that's right. I have something for you. And the Lord spoke to me clearly this week that pride keeps your stronghold in place. Pride keeps your stronghold in place, whether it's losing weight, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's uh, fear, whether it's whatever stronghold you're dealing with, whatever battle that is raging within your mind, whatever's going on inside of you, pride holds that in place. And I don't know if you've ever struggled with something over and over and over keeps coming back and smacking you in the face, well, I've got good news for you this morning. (laughs) I appreciated Tom being vulnerable with us a couple weeks ago, but let me give you some hope. We're in a season where God is asking us to bring our broken places to him, and he, by the power of his spirit, is breaking into those places that we're willing to bring to him. Anybody believe that? I got one person that believes me. Let me give you hope. We are in a season where God is asking us to bring our broken places to Him for freedom and deliverance, and God is responding with His power and His help. God is moving, God is responding with His power and His help. God is responding to us. As we bring our broken places to him, as we yield these broken places of depression and anxiety and, and lust of the flesh, the pride of life, our egos, our strongholds, our fears, we're in a season where God is moving and he is going to give us his supernatural power and presence to break into the darkness. If you believe me, please say amen. 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 Because I don't know about you. I've tried all the self-help books, and I've tried to do it all in my strength. But I don't know about you. you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And over the last couple months, I have been seeking God in a new, fresh way, for deliverance and for freedom and asking for his help. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of bondage, but I'm desperate for freedom. Anybody desperate for some freedom today? Say, I'm desperate for freedom today. Say it again. I'm desperate for freedom today. From fear, I don't want it any longer. Go. Depression, I'm, I'm going to get free. Whatever your anxiety, whatever your pressure, whatever, don't tolerate it. You think it's normal, it ain't normal. You think it is uh, just a way of life, it is not a way of life. You think that's just normal and it's a family thing, Huh? uh it ain't normal. Say, Tell me, it ain't normal. It ain't normal. I'm not going to tolerate it. Tolerate amen, it. in Jesus' name. We've been reading through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a book of power. Can I have an amen on that? I pray you're reading through this with us. I know we haven't been preaching on it each week because there's been other things we feel like the Lord's been putting it on us, but I'm telling you, read the book of Acts and it will stir faith inside your heart. And I'm telling you, Jesus sets us up in in Acts chapter one when he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power, dudamous power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses. Hello, you will be my what? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all over the earth. My power will come upon you. And I don't know about you, but I need the power of God, not the power of Eric. And as we're reading through the book of Acts, we're seeing the power of God manifested in the church. We're seeing God do amazing things by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and they begin to speak in tongues, and they all are amazed, and they begin to declare the glories of God through another language. The power of the Holy Spirit falls. That same chapter in chapter 2, as the Holy Spirit falls, it emboldens Peter, and Peter begins to preach the Word of God with boldness and power. Everybody say power. Power. And what happens? 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ that day. Now, I love that kind of power. I love that kind of power. I love that kind of anointing. And so, Father, we thank you today that you are going to do a work of the Holy Ghost today in us. We thank you, Father, that you're going to do a work of power in breaking into the areas of our life, the dark places in our thinking, the places in us, God, where we need freedom and deliverance. And I thank you, God, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in us. And it is quickening my mortal body even as I preach. I thank you, God, that my back is being restored In the name of the Lord. I might do a curly shuffle before it's over. (laughs) We see in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we see Peter and John together. And we see him preaching and we see Peter and John arrested. And they tell Peter and John, will you guys quit preaching in the name of Jesus? And what do they do? They say, kindly "No, it is better to obey the word of God than to obey you. We will not keep quit preaching in this name. It is by this name that this man stand, stands healed. This lame man that has been delivered, he has been healed by the powerful name of Jesus. That faith in his name. And the Holy Spirit did that work of healing to that lame man. In chapter 4, Peter and John continue to preach the word of God, and they go back, and I love when they go back to the people and they tell, they, they tell everybody back, you know, the church, because now it's around 3,000 people. So they go back and they say, oh, this is what God's doing, guys. This is what the spirit of God's doing. And then all the people get so excited, and here's the prayer in chapter 4 of Acts that the people pray. This is the people praying, not the apostles. This is the people. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was what? Shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let me remind you that they had already been filled with the Holy Ghost in chapter 2. And they were now filled again with the Holy Spirit in chapter 4. And they'd already been filled. Do you think we need to be refilled again? I don't know about you, but I'm needing refilled with the Holy Spirit this morning. I'm needing a new new dose of the ghost. Anybody else? I need a new dose of the ghost. The Holy Ghost. And so they were filled again. That means we leak. Even though the Holy Spirit is the operating system and he lives inside of us. The world and all the sin and all the pride and all the stuff that we go through, it, it literally weakens the presence of the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in us. And we have to refocus. We have to recenter ourselves on the Lord. Can I have an amen? amen? He doesn't leave us, but we need to be refilled just as they were refilled. I think it's interesting what they said, and I'm standing here believing God for my healing. How many else is believing for healing in your bodies? How about in your spirit, soul, and body? Amen. And so then what I want to talk about today is I have always idolized the New Testament church. Matter of fact, we've patterned a lot of the things that we do here at New Covenant around the, the, the things that took place in Acts 2.42, what they devoted themselves to. And I've always been so thankful uh, that, of what God did and almost have idolized the church in some ways. But as I was reading this week, and I'm, I'm not actually going to preach on the chapter that we are in in, chapter, in Acts. I'm actually coming going to go back to chapter 5, and I'm going to land on something because it's always perplexed me. But what I wanted to share was I've always thought, wow, the New Testament church was perfect. Anybody ever thought that? It's like they had it all figured out. But as I've been reading it, the first four chapters would prove that out. Oh, man, man, they're, they're selling property, and they're giving to the poor. They're meeting house to house. They're, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to worship. I mean, they got it going, and they're all doing it weekly and daily. They're not just doing it once a week like we do in America. They're doing this stuff daily. Anybody excited excite about that? Yeah. I'm like, that's the church. That's the church alive. And then in 5 and 6 and 7, all of a sudden, God moves from empowering the church and starting the church. Now he starts to deal with the junk in the New Testament church. And there were problems in the New Testament church. There were problems. There were people complaining in the church. But nobody ever does that here. Liar. All of a sudden, complaining started happening in the church. People's needs weren't being met. And everybody's getting their rear chapped. But in chapter five, we've seen another problem. And I've always, I've almost always stayed away from this chapter the chapter of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, I don't know if you remember the story. We're going to read it a little bit here this morning. But Ananias, the name Ananias, means God is gracious, and Sapphira, her name meant beautiful. Now, I believe some scholars, there's some debate out there theologically. Some ministers of the gospel believe they were not saved, and some believe they were. I believe they were saved. And if you don't know the story, you're going to get to really see it here. But I wanted to set the stage with, I. when I'm preaching this today, I'm assuming they're saved. They may not be. I don't know. Only God knows that, right? It's just like, I don't know who's saved in this room. I see fruits and that kind of stuff. There's things you assume. But hey, do we really know who's saved and who's not saved? No, who knows it? God. God knows whether people have surrendered their heart to him. And so if you haven't done that yet today, make sure before you leave that you allow us to help you come to know Christ. Because it is amazing. Can I have a testimony on that? Amen. So let's look at chapter 5 for a moment. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of the and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and what? And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. So young people, you're here today. Dude, the guy breaks down and falls down and dies because he doesn't give the money to the church. I know. I'll get there, Charlene. <laughs> Slow down. I'll, I'll get there, sweetie. But still, even if he lied, isn't that a harsh thing? Don't you think it's a little harsh? <laughs> Did you it a bit? And not just him. Mama comes back three hours later, and she and Peter asks her, "Is this what the money you got for the property?" And she goes, "Yep, sure is." <laughs> And she walks off in her coffin and they, they got a body bag for her too. Now, It's always bugged me just a bit. Does it bug anybody besides me? Well, I got some suspicions about what God was doing to clean up the church. I think there were some problems that were starting to happen in the church. Just like we got problems here in the church. You know, if you think there's a perfect church, there is until you show up. (laughs) And once you show up, it's not perfect. And so we have weaknesses and we have strongholds and we have things in our life that need to be dealt with. And the Holy Spirit, through the word of knowledge, Peter had no clue that this had happened. Now what I want to set the context in this is in chapter 4, the chapter just before it, Barnabas had already sold a piece of property and he had given that property the money from that property to the apostles he had laid it at the apostles' feet for them to meet needs meet needs of the widows to meet needs of the orphans to meet needs in the church because now the 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 Jerusalem church the jewish church the temple was no longer cooperating with christians and people would go to the church for help the temple for help but no longer were they able to go to the temple because they were christians and the temple and the jews and the scribes and the pharisees were not cooperating with christians and so a lot of needs were starting to be happening in this new group as they met in Solomon's Colonnade, and, and then they started getting kicked out from that, and all kinds of problems started to happen, and they were being meeting house to house, and stuff was starting to happen, and people's junk started to ooze out. Have you ever been around anybody, and you feel their oo? Yeah. Have you ever been around somebody, and it just kind of goes, kind of like that, that uh, what's that protective thing in my vertebrae that oozes out, Susan? The, yeah, that, that fluid thing? I don't know. What's that cushion? What's that cushion called, Tom? Yeah, something like that. We all ooze out. I get along close to Sean and Charlene or Alex or I get close to my wife. Things ooze out of her. I know that's hard for you to believe about my wife. It is for me, too. She's about nearly perfect. We all have issues. Can I have an amen? And there was an issue with Ananias and Sapphira. The word of knowledge comes to Peter. And I don't believe Peter yelled this. Peter did not cause this death. The Holy Spirit, by the word of knowledge, just like we have a word of knowledge at church, there is someone here with back pain, and God is going to heal it. There is a word of knowledge that comes, hey, there's somebody here. There's something that we don't know. There's somebody that is struggling with sleeping at night. Ooh, that's actually a real issue. I bless that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for healing sleeplessness in Jesus' name. But a word of knowledge comes, and it tells us something that's going on because God is doing something. So God speaks through Peter through this word of knowledge. Amen. And he says, why have you letting Satan so fill your heart that you have lied to people in God? And so just like Ananias and Sapphira, we have areas of our life where Satan has deceived us. He's gotten in, he's tweaked with our thinking, maybe he's traumatized you as a young person. He's gotten into your life, maybe you can't, I mean, you can't move forward with things because you're fearful of everything. Fear kind of just grips you and you can't move forward with anything because fear dominates your life. But at first glance, it appears that Ananias and Sapphira look very amazingly generous, doesn't it? Selling a pro- Can you imagine Brian Hughes selling his, his barn out at his farm and the piece of property beside it and coming and bringing it to the church so that needs could be met? Can you imagine Lincoln selling his new truck that he bought himself and selling the truck and helping meet the needs? I mean, this is radical generosity. Can I have an amen on that? They appear very generous by selling their property. <clears throat> Why was God not impressed with the selling of the property? Why did God respond to this sin of lying so drastically? Was God requiring 100% of the sale? No. no, he wasn't. We know that because of what Peter said. He said, wasn't this your property? Didn't it belong to you? Didn't you have? I mean, he could have given zero of the sale of the property. He could have given 20%, 40%, 60%. This wasn't a tithe. Tithe is this thing where God has put in his word where he asks us to give 10% of our income to bless the house of God and to bless the kingdom and to see the, the, the ministry of the church multiply. This wasn't a tie. This had nothing to do with that. This was an offering. This was, there were needs in the church. There were needs in the community. And this was about needs. And the Bible says that in, when it comes to offerings, like when we have a guest speaker or we have somebody that has a need in the house when Tiffany got hurt, there were needs in the body. The offerings are for helping with needs of people. We've blessed example. We've blessed Shrek so many times with such great offerings to help him. And, and that kind of giving is not out of compulsion. It's not out of guilt. It is to be whatever you've determined in your heart as you, as you pray to God and ask God what you're to give. You're just to give freely out of generosity. But Ananias and Sapphira did something. They made it look like They were being sacrificial givers. The issue was not the money. The issue is they implied that they were sacrificially giving it all to the church. And here's what I want to highlight. They wanted the image or the appearance of being generous. They wanted the image or the appearance in the eyes of people to be generous. Let that sink in. Lying was the fruit of something else in the heart that God was wanting to purge from the church immediately. There was something in the heart Of Ananias and Sapphira the issue to God was not the money the issue to God was the darkness laying under the surface of their heart my weight issue there is a darkness lying underneath the surface that I've put off for years Tom shared He had a depression. There was something lurking underneath the surface. And I can see all of you, every one of us, has something lurking underneath the surface of our hearts that causes us to do really crazy, crazy things. Can I have a witness? I mean, things that just aren't us. Things that just, it is not who I am. And you get back and you go, how did I do that? How did I act that way? Why did I respond that way? Oh God, what is it that's inside my heart that's causing me to be contrary to who you are? In Ananias and Sapphira's case, I think Peter was saying, hey, If you wanted to go to Cyprus on vacation with that money, go for it. If you want that for your children or bills, but but you can't use that money to make your image in front of people better. You can't use that money to have an image or an appearance of being holier than what you actually are. I believe Ananias and Sapphira wanted the attention and the praise of man. Barnabas had already given property away. And evidently, Barnabas, it was not given in secret. Remember how we're to give in secret? Evidently, Barnabas' giving of his property was not in secret because it made the Bible. (laughs) Evidently, it made a splash in the New Testament church. And I believe that Ananias and Sapphira wanted that same praise from man. That same recognition of man. Ananias and Sapphira were inflating their spiritual image to people. They needed the praise of man and wanted people to have good thoughts of them. Ananias expected praise and applause from man, but instead he was rebuked by the Holy Spirit for the lust of public praise. For his greed of people pleasing. And ultimately he was exposed and judged for the sin of pride and ego. Mm. When you look at Ananias and Sapphira, it was all about their image and controlling what people thought of them. And they were out to impress people. Does that sound familiar in our culture? Dressed for success, dressed to impress. Facebook is all about trying to put an image forth that you actually are not. Even in the church, we want people to know how we're sacrificing, how we're giving of our time, how we're helping people. How much of what we do for the Lord is actually for man and for the glory of my ego. The sin and I just... Was people pleasing and wanting to impress man? It was pride. It was ego. And I've touched that a few times in my life. When you're insecure as a person, you need the praise of man to make yourself what? Feel better. better. When you're a leader and you don't feel like you're doing a good job leading, what do you need? when no one notices what you're doing and you're giving secretly and sacrificing and laying down maybe time money and a lot of other stuff what's the temptation to make sure people know see we're all we're all very close to Ananias and Sapphira in that we all want the praise of men we all have an ego. We all have pride. We all want people to think highly of us. And the sin that was going on with Ananias and Sapphira that God judged quickly because he knew that if pride, it got in the church and they were self-focused, and it was about them. It was Barnabas was giving to help the needs, and it was for the glory of God. Ananias and Sapphira were giving with wrong motives. They were lying, and the lying was only the, the, the external, uh, the, the symptoms of what they were really like. They were really worshipers of self. In America, we become worshipers of self. You don't think so? Wait till the next new car comes out and see who wants to show that image off. And when they show that image off, but they're in debt through their eyeballs, and they may be going bankrupt in the next six months. But man, I like that image. Right? It is far easier. It's image versus reality, pride. It is far easier to be satisfied with the appearance of being spiritually mature than to actually be spiritual. When pride's involved, it is far easier to be satisfied with the appearance of success in life than to actually be successful in life. What I mean like that is, hey, yeah, I'm working hard, I'm going to the gym, I'm working, I'm, I'm losing weight. It's the appearance of doing it, but you really ain't doing it. Oh, yeah, I read my Bible this week. Oh, man, did you read that in Acts? It was so good. Man, it was so powerful. Here's what God showed me. But are you really doing it? Because it looks the part or you're being the part. It's far easier to act like you're doing well than to actually be doing well. Is that possible? But why did God judge Ananias and fire with death? Is there any scriptural precedence for this? And I'm not sure that I have the complete answer, but there were several scriptures that came up. And I don't think that God is zapping us with death in this way. Because this was after the cross. So, I mean, this is under grace, okay? But there was something going on in the church that God seen higher than what they were doing. But I think what's happening to us is there is a slow spiritual death. There's a slow apathy that comes on. There is this degradation of our faith that happens when we stay in this place of pride and ego. But here's one of the scriptures the Lord put in my heart. It was out of 1 Corinthians. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat Of the bread and drink from the cup. Now, we're talking about communion here. And in the New Testament church, they were doing this daily and weekly. We do it once a month. At the first of the month, we offer communion. And so it's basically a time of worship. It's a time of when you bring yourself and you present yourself before the the Lord. They were doing it on a daily basis. And there's a lot of people that actually take communion daily. And I think it's a great thing. But I'm going to set some context here. Though it's talking about communion, it's talking about our spiritual act of worship as we come to the Lord. And so it's saying that you should examine yourself before you present yourself to the Lord. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, this is a script, this is 31, 30 is what I'm wanting to highlight. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Some of you have died. This is New Testament scripture, guys. But 31, but if we were more discerning with regard to what? Ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, we are judged in this way by the Lord. We are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So there's a, there is a principle in Corinthians here, Where if you don't discern your life, if you don't do serious examination of your, if you're not self-aware of what the Spirit of God is dealing with you, and you don't deal with it, some of you are sick among you, and some may even die. That just seems crazy to me. Does that seem crazy to you? But the Spirit of God is wanting us to not be self-sabotagers, not be critical of ourselves, not be, uh, oh, you're a Debbie Downer. He's, the Spirit of God is wanting us to highlight. He's wanting us to find those places he's dealing with our heart. And I thank God he's patient. I thank God he didn't deal with all 155 of my sins when I first got saved. Anybody else want to say a witness on that? I am so glad that God didn't deal with he didn't deal first with my people pleasing. He didn't deal first with my lust. He didn't deal first with my overeating. He didn't he dealt with some other things before he dealt with those things. And there's times when I was in rebellion. There was times where I say, I don't even want to look at it. I have no hope. I am so discouraged about that area. I don't even want to look at it. I just want to put the carpet up and I want to shove it under there. I'll deal with it later, God. You may be highlighting it, but I don't want to deal with it. Can't do it. Don't have hope. Don't think I can conquer that. I ain't got it. I ain't got what it takes. Anybody else been there with me? And sometimes it becomes a lifestyle of stuffing. Sometimes it becomes a lifestyle of ignoring. (laughs) Sometimes it's 58 years of ignoring. Or you get serious for a year, and then you quit. And then you get serious for three months, and you quit. Can I have a witness? I can't be the only one in this room. (laughs) I can't be the only one that's like Paul that wrestles with his flesh and says, who is this miserable man? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Blessed be Jesus Christ will rescue me. So the issue is about one should examine themselves. One should discern what the Spirit of God is doing with them. Ananias and Sapphira did not discern what the Spirit of God was dealing with their heart on. And God was beginning to bring correction to the church, the early church. He brings correction in a few other chapters afterwards. And he begins to deal with people like you and I. And he begins to give them the power of the Holy Ghost in order to get free. Now, I want you to know, I've not been able to free myself. No self-help books have helped me get free. There's no amount of anything that, of this world, a lot of things can help. But I'm telling you, it is. I have been desperate for the Holy Spirit. I've been desperate for God to show me the blinders, to, to expose what's inside of me. I've been desperate. Anybody else desperate? Yeah. But in this passage, because people had not examined themselves, many were sick and had fallen asleep. So when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined, not because he's mad, but because he wants to bring us somewhere. So my question to you this morning is, how well do you judge and examine yourself? How well are you at judging and examining and discerning of your own personal life of what God is wanting to do? Or are you sweeping it under the carpet and ignoring it? Do you see if your life lines up with the word of God? Do you ask God and do you bring your life before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to deal with? It's a spiritual practice that very many people do. God wants to help us discern the darkness inside so we can be delivered. Not because he's mad, because he deeply loves us. I think I have seen people in my life in 25 years of marriage, 25 years of marriage, 25 years of ministry, 36 years of marriage. (laughs) I think I've seen people die because they have not dealt with something the Lord was dealing with. Now, I am not saying that when you're sick, and when you die, it's because there's sin in your life. I'm telling you, if we get that place in the church, no, we are in the grace of God. So do not hear me say that because you're sinning, you're sick. Because you're sinning, you're going to die. Yes, sin brings death. Sin does get, have a consequence. Sin does bring death to your life. Sin does bring consequence to your life. But God's grace, he does love you. Do you hear me? I mean, we can't get to this place where, okay, Patrick, all of a sudden he's sick with something and we're going, oh, I wonder what sin he's got behind the, behind the cart. Uh-uh, we ain't doing that. We are grace people. We are the love of people. And we are, when people are weak and they're struggling, we are there to help bring life. Can I have an amen? amen? Not death. So please do not hear me say that. What would have happened if Ananias would have examined himself? He publicly sinned, and he publicly got judged. So where is your darkness or your struggle? How am I doing for time? Okay, good. Where is your darkness and where is your struggle? Pride holds your struggle in place. The real issue that Ananias and Sapphira had was pride. They were self-focused, self-centered, life revolved around them. Where is your struggle? Where are you in pride in your struggle? Your pride will keep your struggle in place. That's a word from the Lord. Pride is not arrogance. Pride is thinking about yourself too much. Arrogance is this thing, I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, pride is not that. Pride is this, I am consumed about my own thoughts, about what's good for me, about what I want, about what I look like, my image, my, what people think of me. It's about me. It's about thinking about myself too much. Pride is not thinking about your wife. Pride is not thinking about others around you. Pride is not thinking about how something's going on with somebody else. Pride is being obsessed with your wants. Pride is being preoccupied with your thoughts and your preferences. Pride holds your anxiety in place. Pride holds your gluttony in place. Pride holds your sin in place. Pride holds your fear in place. Pride holds your addiction in place. Pride holds your depression in place. Pride is what keeps you in wanting man's approval. Anybody tracking with me yet? God exposes the corruption of pride in the early church because God did not want that infecting and spreading the yeast in the church. God dealt quickly with pride and exposed it. God knew that pride unchecked would turn the church inward and the mission of the church would be shut down to reach the lost. See, really what's going on in our church, some of the main reasons why we're not being as effective outside is because we got too much pride on the inside. We're still focused on our houses. We're focused on our desires. We're focused on what's best for me instead of what's best for God and his kingdom. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. That's really what holds it in place. I'm, I'm more interested in my comfort. I'm more interested in watching that TV show. I'm more interested in my time on the weekend. I'm more interested in, in my, what I want to do over the weekend. I'm more interested in what I want to do. What is that? Can you help me with it a little louder? Thank you. Every revival is birthed out of a deep repentance and leaving sin. Every revival comes when God's church radically cleanses herself and removes pride and self-centeredness from their life. And we are all here, and we have all fallen short. But God is wanting to bring freedom, freedom to us. Can I have an amen? I believe God is cleaning us up on the inside out. He is reaching into our hearts And exposing the pride that attempts to stay hidden in us. And so I'm just here publicly confessing. I've had some pride in my heart. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. But I'm asking that you guys will also go on a journey with me. Of really asking Holy Spirit what he's wanting to deal with your life on. Really finding the darkness. And presenting the darkness to the Lord and saying, God, I'm sick and tired of dealing with this over and over and over. I want freedom. I need the power of the Holy Ghost to break into my darkness and to deliver me of what controls me. And so pride, I, we've already repented of pride. Shelley led us through. She had no clue what I was preaching on today. She had no clue what I was preaching on. And she already led us through a prayer of repentant repentance and asking God to forgive us of pride. God has already, by the Spirit, had a prophetic song of a prophetic minstrel Declaring, wake up, O sleeper. There is no time to wait. We are at an urgent hour in the dispensation of God's kingdom. And the church has got to wake up. And first, he cleans the church. Judgment comes to the house of the Lord first before it comes to the world. And so God is judging us, not in a, I'm going to zap you with death. Although that, there is some scriptural precedence. But he's asking you, will you get serious with me? Will you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Will you invite me to bring your deliverance? Instead of you trying to do it yourself. Hmm. Pride holds your stronghold in place. What are you going to do with your pride? Can we just ask the Lord again to forgive us? Can you just in your own way right now say, God, I'm sorry. Father, forgive me for my pride and my self-centeredness. Forgive me for letting the pride hold my stronghold in place. Father, I ask that you would forgive us as a corporate people. Father, your word says that we can release people. When we have sinned against you to to release ourselves and that you release us as well. So, Father, today we confess our sin before you, our sin of pride and self-focus. Father, as you've used Ananias and Sapphira as an example that, God, they were really about people-pleasing. They were about their image. They were dressed to impress. They wanted the praise of man. God, forgive us all for wanting the praise of man. Forgive us for our pride, our self-focus. But, Father, today we surrender ourselves to you again. We say, God, we want your kingdom to come and we want your will to be done. Deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from Satan's deceptions. Father, just as Ananias and Sapphira were deceived in their hearts, Father, I ask that you would pull back the deception in our hearts, pull back the deception in our minds. God, bring freedom and deliverance to us today. Father, I believe today is a day of turning point. I believe today is a day of freedom and a day of power where you're doing something inside of us, God, that you're going to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so, Father, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the book of Acts to come alive in us. And so, God, I'm asking that you would forgive us and that you would help us today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Here's our action plan. Get your phone out. Take a picture of this. Zoom it in. It'll be up there for a few minutes. I will also post it on our Facebook group page. Here's what we need to do. We need to get desperate for Holy Spirit. Get desperate in your prayer time and ask God to break pride off. We must get sick and tired of our stronghold and ask God to break in with his power. God loves desperation. (laughs) I was pretty desperate this morning. He loves desperation. Holy Spirit is your helper. You must get humble and confess your sin to God. Humility attracts God's power and it attracts his grace. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Anybody been resisted lately? Things ain't going very well in your life. Things ain't going very well in your marriage because you're fighting like dogs. Guess what? Pride is keeping that stronghold in place. And both of you need to humble yourself and repent and ask God to forgive you and ask your spouse to forgive you. And you begin to need to move towards God because that is a stronghold that is affecting your marriage. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Amen? Number two, get in the Word of God. Read books and listen to sermons on the darkness God shows you. You know, when I was looking at mine, I I hated to even say this, but a couple months ago I began to do Bible studies and listen to sermons on the sin of gluttony. Karen would hear me listening to them when I was on my exercise bike. And I was listening to the Word of God every day. God, why am I not convicted of this? Why am I not convicted of this? God, what is the area of pride in my life? What's going on? God, I'm desperate. God, I need your help. I can't do this myself. I would go to God in prayer and say, God, I need your help. I need the power of the Spirit of God. I was reading books. I was re- listening to sermons because God was exposing the darkness and saying, Eric, daggone, I've been dealing with you for 15 years. When are you going to get out of your, this out of your pipe and quit smoking it? Gosh. Treat this as if your life depends on it. I think we're okay with being miserable sometimes. I think we're just okay with being mediocre. We're just okay with life stinking sometimes. Let your desperation lead you to learning and growing in God's word and the power of his spirit. Number three, seek help. I had to do that. I had to get help from outside, help from somebody else. I couldn't do it myself. Ask a Christian friend that has won the victory in their life. Ask them for help and accountability. And I'm in the middle of that right now. Read chapter 8 of Acts. That's where we're at this week. Memorize Psalms 27 four. this is a real pertinent scripture to where we're at. Because the one thing I ask of the Lord really is, Lord, will you take care of me? Will you make it easier for me? Lord, what I really want is a new car. What I really want is more money. What I really want, God, is this. What I really want is fame and glory and ego. Typically, what we're asking God for is something that, bless me, bless me, bless me. But what David said is, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Is that not a good scripture to memorize and to meditate on and to memorize and get inside of you that God, the inferior pleasure of food is not satisfying me like gazing upon you. God, the depression or the fear or the anxiety that I'm walking in, it is, I'm not going to quit looking at that and I'm going to gaze on you, your word and what you're saying to me. And I got to shift my focus. Anybody willing to shift their focus with me? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.